Welcome to episode six of the Pregactive podcast, where we talk all things postnatal depression with psychologist Rebecca Black and provide a whole lot of very useful coping strategies and resources for any pregnant woman, new mother, or father. I'm Karen with the founder of Pregactive, and through this Pregactive podcast, I'm going to help you feel empowered, informed, and confident through your pregnancy and motherhood journey as we talk all things health, mind, and fitness. Okay, so very exciting that we have Rebecca Black here today who is going to be talking to us a little bit about postnatal depression because it's a huge topic. And Rebecca is a psychologist as well as a hypnobirthing practitioner. So just give us a little bit of background before we start on why you've chosen this path and why you really do love helping women. Thanks, Kez. Thanks for having me. Um, I guess I, so I've got a two-year-old daughter and, you know, I've worked in a wide range of areas as a psychologist in my career. And then after having her, um, well, I'd never really found an area that I was really passionate about. And then I became a mum and it was probably the biggest thing I've ever done in my life and probably the most challenging thing I've ever done. Uh, So I really decided that I wanted to specialise in this area and support other women going through a similar journey. Journey, um, knowing that you know it is really really tough um, so now I support women through that perinatal period in my private practice which is in Heathmont in Melbourne and um, so through pregnancy and the postnatal period and then I also offer the hypnobirthing um, classes to support women to prepare for a positive birth because I really believe that if you can have a really positive birth experience you're less likely to experience significant mental health issues in that early motherhood period. Amazing. So in terms of postnatal depression, it is pretty common, right? So how how common is it? Yeah, so the stats vary a little bit, but they say postnatal depression, one in seven women will experience it. Um, And then if you include postnatal anxiety into that, it's closer to one in four women will have either or both of those conditions. Um, And I actually think postnatal anxiety is even more common than postnatal depression. So what's the difference? Can you give us a little bit of a... Bit of an overview. Yeah. Yeah. So postnatal depression, I guess, is um, that you're having you know, feelings of helplessness or hopelessness, struggling to get out of bed in the morning, really struggling to find any joy in what it, what you're doing. Um, so, you know, in that early parenting phase, obviously it's it's tough, but if you're really finding it hard to enjoy any of the, the moments of, of motherhood, then that's a really big sign uh, that you might be struggling. Uh, sadness or crying for no apparent reason. Obviously, we're going to have moments of sadness, but it's that when you're feeling really stuck in it and you feel mm-hmm. like it's just not going away. Yeah. Um, and then kind of that extreme end of postnatal depression is um, having thoughts of hurting yourself um, or your baby even. So that's kind of that extreme end. And the postnatal anxiety? Postnatal anxiety. So um, this is when you're feeling quite panicky or on edge a lot of Mm -hmm. the time, constant worrying. Obviously, we're going to have a lot of worries, especially as a new mum. But it's kind of that experience where you can't switch your mind off. You can't stop worrying. It's kind of persistent. It might be even stopping you from sleeping. So 
obviously sleep is a huge thing in early motherhood. Um, but if you can't sleep when your baby's happy, content, and they're asleep, then that's a big sign that um, it might be anxiety or something a little bit more. Um, and a lot of people don't realize, but irritability and anger can also be a symptom mm. of anxiety. I see a lot of women in private practice with this, and they don't actually realize that what's underneath is anxiety. Yeah, mm. they just think that they're overwhelmed with everything, but yeah. don't really see that it might be actually something to, to help heal them. Yeah. yeah, and I think a lot of people just expect that this stuff is really common mm. in motherhood and maybe feel even ashamed if they're experiencing some of these things, uh, which really delays people seeking support True. and seeking help. Um, so I think it's really important to recognise that this stuff um isn't necessarily something that you have to experience in early motherhood and there's no shame in it but um, reaching out for support sooner rather than later. Yeah, 100% mm. and I think so many women who do end up going down this path and then do seek help, you know, do want to spread the word to say get help and yeah. get help early if you can and, mm. and talk about your emotions and, and get it out there so that, you know, other people can support you as well as, of course, professionals. Definitely. So in terms of um, postnatal depression happening, it can actually happen to people who have never been affected by mental mm. health illness before too, right? Mm. Like I think that, you know, there's this this scale and we all think, oh, well, I'm, I'm in normal, <laughs> so I'll be fine. Mm. And then, you know, things can change. Really quickly they can change. So I also do some work at Mitcham Private Hospital in the perinatal mental health ward. And you'd be surprised at how many women end up, you know, that kind of severe end of needing support. And they're actually, you know, pre having a baby were functioning really, really well, had really good careers. You know, mental illness doesn't discriminate and postnatal depression and anxiety can happen to anyone. Those women there that were teachers or mental health professionals themselves that had never experienced any mental health issues in the past, had had a baby and, you know, it was like a light switch and they, they were really struggling. Which I think, again, reducing that shame and that stigma around only certain people will experience it um, and it can happen to anybody. Yeah. Mm. And I think that having other people's, you know, opinions and criticism mm. on how to, you know, nurture your baby is a really hard one. And sometimes it doesn't come from a point of of hate. Like these these opinions are there, you know, these people think that they're helping. Mm. But it but to somebody who is a little bit stressed about the way that their baby is and if their baby's crying and then someone says well what what are you going to do you about should do it this, or you should do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. it's overwhelming mm. and it's really hard you know do you see this a lot oh so common especially with first-time mums mm. uh, even personal experience I uh, Stevie was actually five weeks prem so we were in special care for about 10 days after she was born and I had you know three different midwives every 24 hours with all different opinions and advice and comments and um and it's so overwhelming when you're just trying to do your best and you really feel a bit out of your depth and have no idea what you're doing in that early stage and you're clinging on to any type of advice but then also feeling like you're failing because you know it might not work it yeah. might not work or everybody's giving you different opinions um and of course, it often comes from a very well, 
well-meaning place from the person giving the support or the advice but often it just feels like we're failing or that we're we're not good enough because we can't you know we don't know you know what's wrong what's happening and the other thing is there's so much focus on the baby you know there is that oh look at the baby oh look what's Mm. happening with the baby blah 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 and oh you look good or oh you look tired or you know it's how you look or whatever that they comment on it's not how are you and how are you going this is actually you know one of the things that frustrates me the most about that early parenting time when people all they want to do is come over and see the baby and hold the baby and you know cuddle the baby and all that stuff but everybody forgets about the mum and I actually think that the most important thing is to go over and check on her and make sure mm. she's doing okay yeah. um, and support her through this huge life change bring her some food bring her a hot drink bring her uh-huh. you know yeah yeah hold the baby so she can have a nap Get or ex- a shower exactly <laughs> exactly let's focus on mums as opposed to yeah. the baby yeah, yeah, definitely. So in terms of, I guess, um, uh, things that happen with postnatal depression and, and some triggers, perfectionism, mm. like, you know, wanting to have everything perfect and do everything right and obviously that's really hard when you're getting lots of different advice mm. and do you see that that's something that can mm. contribute? A huge, a huge contributing factor to the anxiety as well is just feeling like, you know, you need to be perfect or you need to get it right. Mm. And if baby's unsettled or upset, then you're not doing a good enough job. Yeah. Um, I think there's a few things here about always going back to we don't need to be perfect. We need to be the good enough mother. There's Definitely. this concept in psychology called the good enough parent. And as long as you're doing your best and trying your hardest, you're doing an amazing job and really having compassion for yourself through the journey that you're not going to get it right. Nobody's perfect. Um, and kind of coming to terms with that and being okay with that. Um, yeah, I think that that's, that's one of the most important things in that, um, that period around coping with that, that perfectionism. Yeah. Mm. And you touched on it earlier, but, um, one of the things to look out for is those signs of not actually enjoying mm. cuddles or feeling mm. love for your baby you you certainly don't need to enjoy that all the time mm. but if you're not experiencing any sort of enjoyment mm. from that those little things yeah then that can certainly be yeah something a to it definitely definitely a bit of a red flag keeping in mind that a lot of women struggle to bond with their baby straight yeah, away definitely. I know it's it's really spoken about oh you know you fall in love the moment you set eyes on them or the moment they're in your arms and I think this puts a lot of expectation on women to fall in love straight away but on you know that's not always the case yeah and you don't and then you feel like you're there's something wrong with you Mm -hmm. no some women can take months to to really bond with their baby and connect with their baby um i even i've met women that it took up to a year to get to that point where they felt really connected and in love with their baby Uh, But it certainly is if if you're struggling to bond or struggling to connect or enjoy those moments with bubs, then reach out for some support. That, you know, those first few days of being home, whoa. Mm. (laughs) Wow. Wow. (laughs) It's like, you know, everybody's 
told you what you should and shouldn't do and then you get home and you've got a baby and it's you know crying and you don't know what to do or your nipples are sore if you're feeding or it's like there's so much going on you haven't slept and that certainly can be overwhelming I guess my question is um you know the baby blues mm. so what is the difference between the baby blues and postnatal depression because if at day three you're crying your heart out is that normal and yeah give us- totally normal yeah. so baby blues that first kind of week at home um, or week after having bubs is huge the hormones in your body that are pumping your body's just trying to get back to kind of a normal place um, you know the sleep deprivation that's starting to breastfeed huge transition it is so so common to have the baby blues so you know overwhelming feelings lots of crying lots of tears um, sometimes for no reason sometimes for reasons really really normal so just be really kind to yourself through that nurture yourself and just give yourself permission to feel those feelings when it transitions into postnatal depression it's it's beyond that. So personal depression is when you're stuck in feelings of sadness, feelings of hopelessness, uh, really not being able to feel any joy, and this persists over two weeks or more. Mm-hmm. So okay. if that's something that's really um, you're holding on to and you're stuck in that for a longer period of time, um, then that's a that's probably a sign that it's more than just the baby blues. Yeah, definitely. Mm. And um, in terms of that whole, you know, job as a mother, mm. <laughs> like the hardest job you'll ever do, I think mm. it's really important to remember that you're not failing as a mother if you're not enjoying every aspect mm. of the job as a mother, right? A hundred percent. Like it's not enjoyable, (laughs) probably more often than it is enjoyable in all honesty. And, you know, moving away from this expectation, again, these high expectations that we're supposed to love it and we're supposed to love our baby every moment of every day. It's just not true. Um, And to be honest, I've got a two-year-old and another one on the way and I love going to work. And I am quite happy to say that um, I'm more than happy to go to work. And every woman is different and every, you know, some women love being a stay-at-home mom. Others, you know, really crave that, you know, human connection in other ways yeah um adult conversation adult conversation (laughs) and using your brain and all of that and there's absolutely no right way to do it but I think just really being kind to yourself and knowing that you don't need to love it um all the time yeah definitely yeah so in terms of the mindfulness and you know tools Mm. and coping strategies Mm. um you know even for pregnant women coming into it or or women who Mm. just had their babies or even later on Mm. what are some I guess skills tools that that you can help them with yeah I think some sometimes the most simple things can be so effective so something as simple as learning some deep breathing techniques or a deep breathing technique uh, for those moments of overwhelm where you just need to take a breath before you respond. I have a lot of uh, women that I see in private practice that are new mums that get super overwhelmed and feel really irritable or angry really quickly mm-hmm. yeah. um, and feeling quite guilty around the responses that they have when they're in that, um, in that space. So if you're able to just take three big deep breaths in and as you exhale, just allow the tension to release from your body 
give yourself that moment before you react or respond. Um, that's going to be really, really helpful in just managing that overwhelm and that, that um, yeah, that really strong sensations that you might be feeling in that moment. Because otherwise it's, you know, uh, that feeling of um, regret afterwards, mm. isn't it? It's that guilt that you're like, oh, I shouldn't have reacted that way. Yeah. But that heat that builds inside of you, mm. that anger or that irritation, it's like you've got no other option in that point. You're like, yeah, this is just so frustrating. It's too much. Yeah, yeah, so certainly cooling down and having some water, having the breaths and just taking your time because yeah. we don't have to be so reactive. I mm. feel like our society is so reactive at mm-hmm. the moment and, you know, it's quick, 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 everything's quick. Mm-hmm. Um, slow down slow down and take a moment for you if baby's crying that's okay they're supposed to cry and they're allowed to cry if you just need to walk out of the room for a minute or go put the kettle on and then come back um, really just giving yourself that space mm-hmm. before you feel like you need to kind of re- I, I kind of call it responding rather than reacting yeah um, that's good and taking you know taking some some time for for you throughout your day that's probably my tip number two is really making time for you I know with a newborn baby or with a toddler it can be really really tough but whether it's you know having five minutes to drink a cup of tea or going outside for you know a few minutes of fresh air going for a walk catching up with a friend for coffee really prioritizing and making time for you um small time big time whatever works whatever you can fit into your day and just Um, getting out of the house isn't it because I feel like so many new mums do get trapped in in their home because it's like well you know we don't want the outside germs coming into the baby and that's fine but it's it's a matter of actually just stepping outside Mm. it doesn't have to be going to the shops or going out out it can just be out in your backyard or your front yard or your driveway stand there take mm. a few deep breaths I know for myself I, I love my morning walk mm. and there are some mornings that I can't get it in I, you know life life right <laughs> yeah things happen but I notice the difference between my mornings where I don't get outside mm. before I then jump in the car and go do you know my day compared mm. to those days even if I go outside and I do five deep breaths in fresh air mm. and then I come back in it's such a difference huge huge especially if you're feeling like you're slipping into postnatal depression or you're experiencing postnatal depression it's really easy to hold yourself up um, Um, you know, stay in bed, not leave the house. Mm. And, you know, one of the most common, uh, I guess, experiences of new mums is this feeling of isolation and loneliness that goes with being a new mum. So obviously getting outside is really important, but also getting out and connecting with the world. Even if you don't feel like it, even if, you know, your mind's telling you to stay home and stay in bed, really pushing through that and and trying to get out there because um, you're only going to feel better for it. And just once a day. Like it doesn't have, it can be for 
10-15 minutes to get out or you know you might be able to go and actually see someone else or meet mm. up or yeah and there's always women yeah. around isn't there like there's other mums who are going through the same thing mm. who are sitting at home on their phone flicking through oh. <laughs> their phones and going I'm lonely as well so of yeah of course and, and it doesn't even you know obviously if you've got anxiety or even depression going to mother's group or going to you know Story time at the library yes. seems quite overwhelming. They're there, yeah, okay. but it could be overwhelming. But even going to your local cafe and ordering a coffee and talking to the person at the counter yes. is that connection. Going to the park and smiling at the mum that's also at the park. Yes. It's getting out and taking those small steps, not setting yourself huge goals if that feels too overwhelming, but really knowing that you're not alone and you're not just stuck in your house definitely and that brings me to my next point I guess Mm. is what some tips to build your village Mm. of support because you know sometimes it's really hard to ask for help or feel like you've got people Mm. around you Mm. do you have any tips yeah look I think everybody's different and and it's important to find a tribe or a group of women that really you connect with and that you can get that support from a few places to start are obviously your mother's group especially you know obviously first-time mums get allocated to a mother's group I think these can be really positive environments Uh, not always though but you might find some really good connections in that space Um, you know friends or family is obviously a good place to start and then really putting yourself out there in other spaces so play groups story Mm. time at the library there's music groups for even newborn babies you can take really young babies I heard about this baby karaoke what (laughs) I haven't heard of that (laughs) my friends are saying she took her little baby to baby karaoke so I'm super keen for this (laughs) amazing where do we sign Uh, up yeah (laughs) So it is, it's it's a little bit about putting yourself out there. Um, and, you know, yeah. just as a, a, a random example, but um, we went to a party over on the weekend. We didn't know anybody, mm. or, you know. And so um, my partner went to the bathroom and I've just gone up to uh, two girls and I just said, oh, hi, I'm Karen, How, you know, who are you? And I started a conversation that way. And I think that so many people don't do that. Oh. And so many people are scared because of their action. And, you know, it was funny. I was thinking just today about my experience of that. And my experience every time I do that is always welcoming. Mm. You know, it might be that initial, like, they look at me like, oh, who's this, who's this person? Because it's different. Right, because not everybody goes up to, to strangers yeah. and says hello. But once I start a conversation that's not just, oh, what do you do for work or, you know, just normal boring stuff, it's <laughs> it just flows yeah. and it becomes easier. And I know that, that not everyone has the confidence to do that. But starting, yeah. like just that other mum or that other person will really appreciate yeah. the fact that you've You've taken the the leap. And even as you share that story, I actually feel a little bit anxious, like thinking about doing that myself. (laughs) Like, and I think that is so normal. Like so many of us really struggle with anxiety and social situations like that, but really knowing that most of us feel that way. So if you're the one to put yourself out of your comfort zone and, and go and introduce yourself, Another little tip in situations like that is just put your phone away because so much can happen Mm -hmm. if you're 
you know, connected with the world rather than, you know, our initial response or reaction is to get out Instagram or Facebook or just kind of disengage through our phone. When you're at the park, leave your phone down and smile at other mums because then you're going to open up a door for potential conversation. Definitely. That's it because, you know, you don't know if somebody's on their phone and they're doing emails that are super important that they definitely don't want to talk to anyone Mm. or if they're actually just bored and they're just scrolling and if there was a conversation that started, they'd be super happy with that. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. So kind of keep keep your options open, I guess, and keep your mind open to these kinds of opportunities to connect and I know going back to the question around how do we connect I think Mm. there's a a a lot of really beautiful online spaces as well to connect with people that then have those regular like I know you run a beautiful online community that women feel really supported and connected um and maybe finding some some places online that that really align with you yeah uh, that might then facilitate some more online so offline connections and that's um, exactly right and that does happen and I love it you know Mm. our proactive online community is just amazing and Mm. when I speak to mums and they've connected with these other mums I'm like oh how did you know each other and they're like through you through Through proactive (laughs) and it's just so beautiful and I think that that's really important Mm -hmm. because we have a lot of remote mums as well and it's so it doesn't necessarily have to be in-person catch-ups but just knowing that there's other women out there and that Mm. that, you know there's those messages or there's those um you know phone calls even that you can just talk to someone Mm. who's who's been through something similar I often do connect mums who I see the same sort of thing happening like oh here you two might want to talk and then they love it and they're so grateful and it's so hard making friends as an adult like it's it's actually really tough and I think recognizing that and um but knowing that sometimes it takes a bit more effort or to put yourself out of your comfort zone and that a lot of people are feeling that same way so there's so much focus on postnatal depression in the postnatal phase what about talking in the pregnancy phase Mm. a little bit more about it yeah and I think this is often forgotten about because there's so much um, information out there and so much people so many people talk about postnatal depression Mm. but all of the symptoms that I just described can actually start coming up during pregnancy so the anxiety and the depression symptoms so really keeping an eye on yourself through pregnancy and linking in with support pre-baby's mm-hmm. arrival Definitely. if you notice some of those things happening because it is quite common. But, again, I think a lot of people, you know, don't acknowledge it or don't realise that that's what's going on for them. Um, and realistically, if you've got it during pregnancy, things are only going to get more challenging once bubs arrives. So really linking in with that support sooner rather than later. And then one other thing that we haven't spoken about is postnatal depression for men, which yes. is also really common, huge. huge. Mm. So one in the stats tell us that one in ten dads experience postnatal depression. I would actually hazard a guess that it's more uh, common than that, but I suspect that a lot of men aren't willing to kind of reach out for support or acknowledge that they're struggling. Um, so I guess I just wanted to flag that this is, you know, a genuine concern for men as well. Their transition into fatherhood is massive and the pressures that they can place on themselves um, and trying to bond with baby and provide for the family and all of that stuff is huge. So I think couples on this journey together really need to look out for each other, mm-hmm. do some really regular check-ins with each other and support each other through this massive journey. 
journey. And that feeling of helplessness, right? Mm. You know, if you're seeing your partner being the one who's predominantly feeding the baby maybe and you're sort of feeling a little bit helpless, Mm. the things that she might have been doing before that she can't now do, they're the ways that you can help her. Mm. You know, you can pick up and do some of the chores and help her and just, gently support her Mm. and a gentle kiss on the forehead every so often or you know those things to connect Mm. because sometimes it's that disconnection isn't it that then they start to go what am I doing and I'm I can't bond with this baby like she can and yeah and then self-doubt and yeah yeah so much stuff comes up for men but I always like to say that you know, men become fathers the same moment that women become mothers for the first time. So you're both on this journey and you're learning together and don't feel like she knows more than you or that she, you know, it comes easier for her. You know, jump in there and have a go and be hands-on and, you know, support her as much as you can and, um, you know, spend as much time with bubs as you can as well. Skin-on-skin contact with dads is amazing. Um, So there's lots of things that the dads can do to really get involved involved and um and again for them reach out for support if you're just not feeling it um because there's nothing wrong with that but there is support out there so these are really good tips and I think that um you know when people are a bit unsure when would you say Mm. to get professional help because I think that so many people think the moment I go and see a psychologist is the moment that I'm actually crazy. Mm. It's like, oh, no. Everybody can certainly benefit from talking things through. A hundred percent. I would actually say that every person at some stage in their life, probably most stages in their life, could benefit from seeing a psychologist. So it's certainly not wait until you're mm. falling apart yeah. to reach out. Um, so really... Entering such a huge life change, seeing a psychologist from the get-go could be really, really helpful. But in terms of when to know, um, you know, with the red flags and the signs and um, warning signs, I guess that that maybe it is time to reach out. The, you know, struggling to, to feel joy, struggling to get out of bed, struggling to sleep. If these things are kind of happening to you over a couple of weeks and not letting, letting go, um, you're struggling to let go of that stuff, then definitely reach out for support. So there's lots of avenues. Um, Panda Mm -hmm. is an amazing online resource. So it's a great first step for somebody who's starting to see that they need some extra support. Even if you're fine, go to Panda's website. They've got some amazing resources. Um, They also have a mental health checklist or quiz that you can do that will give you kind of an outcome at the end to say you should seek professional support. So I think that's really handy. Um, your child maternal health nurse is another great resource. You obviously do regular checkups with them in that early parenting phase. Um, and then from there, you'll go see your GP. Um, that's always a first port of call to get that support and then that link into a psychologist. Um, they can provide a referral. Amazing. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for everything today. Oh, Were there any other things that you wanted to add to that topic? No. Mm, uh, Probably the one thing that I would add is as a new mum, ask for help and accept help. I know Mm. that a lot of women in that kind of early stage feel like they want to do it all themselves and like if they need help or ask for help, it means that they're failing or they're not good enough. 
but take all of the support you can get. If people are offering to cook you dinner or look after the baby for an hour so you can sleep or you can go for a walk, say yes. Don't, you know, put on the brave face and say, no, no, I'm fine. Um, Really accept that support and help and don't be afraid to ask for it because I know that most of us have somebody in our life that would be happy to help and being quite direct with, I'd love if you could just come over and do this for me. Or even I, I tell my hypnobirthing couples to write a list and leave it on the bench or on the fridge. And then when people come over and offer to do something, say, there's a list on the fridge. I'd That's love for you to pick idea. something. So that you don't actually have to say, could you fold the washing? Yeah. Or could you, you know, walk the dog or whatever it may be? Um, could you go to the store and get those five things that I really need um, from the supermarket? Amazing idea. And I think, you know, for me, particularly coming into this world of new motherhood soon, it Mm. it is, you know, I want to say yes, because um, I see so many people say no, and I see them suffering. And Mm. I think, okay, be, be strong say yes yeah. <laughs> like it's not a weakness it's you actually have to man up yeah. you have to be strong and actually be a little bit uncomfortable for that moment but they're okay with it mm. and then the other thing is then they'll ask probably again mm. another couple of weeks later yeah is there anything else I can do Whereas if you say, no, I'm fine, then it's sort of assumed you're good and they'll leave you alone. They'll they'll stop asking. (laughs) They'll stop asking. Often that, you know, four, six-week mark, the visitors stop and you've sort of forgotten about it a little bit. Yeah, Mm. unless you ask, unless you reach out for help and support. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah, perfect. Well, thank you so much, Rebecca. It's been amazing to have you. And hopefully for those listening, those were some really helpful tips. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Karen. Wow. I just love that. What an incredible interview with Rebecca Black. Such knowledge in the area of postnatal depression and such useful resources and tips for everybody. Head over to the show notes at pregactive.com slash podcasts for all of the tips and resources there.